Merry Christmas if no one's told you. Merry Christmas. We, uh, my name's Pastor Rick if we haven't met yet. Let me get the lights on for you. We'll get the lights on and we'll start going through our scripture. We're starting a new letter tonight. We're starting the letter to the Thessalonians, the first letter written to the Thessalonians. So if you would, join me or in the, in the letter to the first Thessalonians. I had a quick thought. You know, Christmas Eve falls on a Sunday night. And if you've never done Christmas Eve here at the Packing House, oh my gosh, it is a beautiful service. We're going to still have it on the 24th. So please come and join us. The kids' choir is going to be up here. You heard uh, the girls talking about it earlier. It is so fantastic. Dennis Agajanian, he, have you guys seen Dennis yet? He's the big cowboy. You would think his guitar like catches fire when he starts ripping through it. And uh, he's not just trying to show off. Like he, He's not just a gifted musician, but he's actually a pretty gifted theologian as well. So anyways, it's, it's fun to have a Christmas Eve family service here uh, that evening on the 24th. So please come check it out. You're all invited. So please, please come. Okay, let's get into our letter to the Thessalonians. <clears throat> We're actually only taking a first, uh, the first few verses. So chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, Silvanus, Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father. Knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. Let's stop there and pray. Heavenly Father, we love celebrating your birth, Lord. Your birth and life, Lord Jesus, gives way to the resurrection, Lord, and new life in you, God. So thank you for that gift, Lord, as we start this letter to the Thessalonians, Lord. Help us to understand, Holy Spirit, your truth, and help us to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, we all agreed by saying, amen, amen. amen. Well, the letter to the Thessalonians, we're going to do some background first, okay? I only took five verses for a specific reason, because they're dense, they're rich, they're full of great awesome truths. So we'll get into it, but I wanted to do a background on the Thessalonians. So Paul, throughout this letter, this short letter, he's sharing his thankfulness for faithfulness and like an encouragement to grow in the Lord, okay? We're going to learn a little bit about the persecution of the first century churches, the persecution they endured as they were converting from their old lives without Christ into these new lives with him. After Paul and Silas left Thessalonica, he was in pain and anguish after learning of all their persecution, but he sent Timothy to go minister and check on them. He was overjoyed, as we'll find out as we're cruising through the letter, to find out how well they were doing in the faith. As we get into the letter a little further, 
we'll see that Paul starts challenging the Thessalonians to a more godly living, specifically in regards to sexual purity, because the Greek culture that they were in was super promiscuous, super lax in their morals. So he wants Christians to, see, to be seen as a people who, yeah, they work hard, but not just to generate cash, but to also help those in need. So he wants them living a different lifestyle, having this, this new faith, this new life. Finally, what, Thessal what a lot of people know Thessalonians for is there's a lot of discussion about our future and our hope. We'll see the Bible unfold this hope that we have in Jesus in his second coming and his return. We'll talk about the rapture as we get into this letter. Paul encourages them to remain faithful, remain confident in this hope that Jesus is coming back. Rome, the conquering military, the conquering country who just owned everything back then. They provided a security and a peace, a strong military force. They occupied every territory out there. But you know what? Jesus provides security and peace by assuring us of his coming, assuring us of his return, that he's going to put an end to all evil, to all persecution. Our Lord is coming. I guess to sum up this entire letter, we see Paul giving this balanced encouragement, this balanced encouragement and correction as he challenged the church to remain faithful when things are not going the way that they would hope they would. We're going to learn a lot of implication of holiness, having our lives set apart by God for God. We're going to learn a lot about love and a lot about hope. This is a great letter. I love, as, I love learning how the Bible encourages us when we're under a heavy burden, a heavy stress, when things don't go our way, when life throws us curveballs that we weren't expecting, and then we get these reminders that God is in our corner. So that's a little bit about the entire letter to the Thessalonians which actually it's only the first part because this is 1 Thessalonians and in so a few weeks we'll get into 2 Thessalonians. Well, a few weeks, maybe a month or so. So tonight these passages that we read, these first five verses, <clears throat> they're emphasizing Paul's gratitude for the Thessalonians' faith, their love, and their hope in Christ. So let's dig right into what verse 1 has for us. Paul, Silvanus, Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Classic introduction from Paul. So we, we know Paul wrote this. Sometimes Bible nerds start arguing throughout the centuries of who wrote what. It's pretty clear. Paul wrote this. <clears throat> Paul's an apostle. Apostle means one who was sent out, okay? He was one of the original apostles, capital A. That was his title. It was God's doing. God ordained him, understood him, made him the apostle, and called him. Paul's a missionary. 
You know what his previous occupation was before he was a missionary for Christ? He was a persecutor. He was a jailer. Like he'd throw guys in jail for believing in Jesus Christ. He was converted on the road to Damascus. He had quite literally a come to Jesus moment in his life. Jesus got his attention as he's done so many times with so many people. Paul was, he was a gnarly dude. In fact, his name was Saul, but Jesus changed it to Paul. Like, he had his whole life changed. So Dr. Luke, in the book of Acts, Dr. Luke is who wrote the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. He explained how Paul came to Thessalonica. And how the church was founded in Acts 17. Paul went to Macedonia in response to a call from a man who said, come over to Macedonia and help us. So Paul, Silas, Luke, and Timothy, they arrived first in Philippi where they led Lydia, if you recall, and her household to Christ and there established a church. Well, as was common with Paul when he gets to a new town, starts preaching Jesus, uh, he got arrested. Paul got busted. He got, him, and, him and Silas, they get busted. They get beaten, put into jail. But God delivered them, and they were able to lead the jailer to salvation. After encouraging new believers, Paul and his friends, they left Philippi and headed to this important city of Thessalonica. Acts 17 tells us that Paul and Silas, they went through Thessalonica sharing good news about Jesus. And Acts tells us that they only spent three Sabbaths. So Sabbaths happened weekly. So they spent about three weeks in Thessalonica. And while they were there, they were getting accused of preaching that there's a king greater than Caesar. Ooh, riot breaks out. People who study Paul's life and his missionary journeys as they see that Paul would arrive in a town, preach the word, riot breaks out, Paul gets beat up, and then he goes to the next town and starts over. Uh, Bible nerds call that the Pauline cycle, the Pauline cycle. So Paul, he wasn't alone. His letter identifies a few different people. Silvanus, just a fancy word for the name Silas, his missionary partner. Silas was a, his, that's his name. He was one of Paul's missionary partners. And then we see Timothy. That's a pretty famous name because there's two letters in the Bible written to Timothy, a young pastor in Ephesus. Great letters. We've covered, we covered them several months ago. Paul described Timothy and his relationship as Timothy, you're my son in the faith. So that's the Timothy that we're talking about. He's the one who went back after they, w- they had gone And he went and checked on him, and he comes back with this great news of how well they're doing. And it was so uplifting to Paul to hear how well the church in Thessalonica was doing. So we have this word. It says, to the church of the Thessalonians, okay, to the church of Thessalonians. So the church in Thessalonica, this word church is a Greek word. Well, it's English for a Greek word, ecclesia which means the called out ones, called out ones, called out by none other than God, God. Because it says they were to the church of the Thessalonians in God. 
It's God who started this whole thing. It's God who sustains this whole thing. And he's going to take it on until when Christ is coming back. So the believers are the called out ones. Church and ecclesia is believers, not building. Well, we come to Packing House Church. Okay, this is our church building. It's, not, it's never been about the building. It's always been about the believers. That's, it's the believers in Jesus Christ. That's what a church is. So when you hear the word church in the, in the Bible, he's talking about those called out, those believers, that community of believers who claim Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It's never been the building. It's never been the building. So what can we take from this? What implication can we draw from this? Well, what we should value is not the brick, not the building, but we should value the community's shared love for the Lord. We should value the community's shared love for the Lord. We should always be emphasizing the people, not the place. We people, we believers, we fellow of the fellowship, right? The fellowship is just those in shared relationship. We have this common interest in the Lord. The church has purpose. The church has purpose. Going back to what Luke wrote in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, here's, the, here's what they did. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Well, according to Acts 2.42, here's the activities. Teaching Bible doctrine, right? According to the apostles' doctrine, or teaching. We should be teaching the Bible. Providing a place of fellowship for believers, okay? We have a gathering. We have our fellowship, okay? A fellowship, again, is nothing more than a group of believers getting together, people who have their shared interests, their shared love for the Lord. They're united, not uniformed. They're united in their love for the Lord, okay? So fellowship. Observing the Lord's Supper. If, if no one mentioned it to you, we have communion set up around the sanctuary, believers. It's there for you for the taking. There's you know, when Jesus had his last supper, the last dinner with his disciples, his followers, he took his bread and he broke it and he passed it around saying, this is my body broken for you. Eat. <laughs> he took his cup of wine. There's no wine here. He took his cup of wine and he passed it around. He says, drink. This is my blood spilled for the remission of sins. This is, this is a symbol of my blood, which is the payment for everyone's sins. And the Bible later says that as often as we take communion, we remember what Jesus did for us. See, we're celebrating Christmas right now, which is his birth. But Christmas, what it allows us to do is celebrate the resurrection, okay? So as we take of the bread and take of the grape juice, what we're doing is we're remembering what Jesus Christ did. So the first century church, Bible teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. There's a lot of prayer that goes on here at the packing house. So I, I'm just pointing this out because this is, this is what a church should be modeled after. You know, you can think of all the programs and everything in the world, but what does Acts 2.42 say? What does the Bible say? 
Okay, so the church. God has called us to live out purposes. Like he, you, the church is designed for the praise of his glory, Ephesians 1.12. We're here to glorify, make known, expose, praise God who created us, okay? We're here to, for the praise of his glory. We're here also, Ecclesia, gathering of believers, we are also here to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the ecclesia, the body of Christ. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. We also see the church's purposes, purpose as evangelizing the world. Go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature, Mark 16, 15. Go to the world, preach, proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul's writing this letter to the church. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, this letter is written to us. We, church, should be praising the Lord, learning his word, fellowshipping with other believers, praying, praying, making known, being the light to the world, being the light to the world. Man, this is rich and packed with info. So he writes it to this place, this church, this group of people in Thessalonica, the second largest city in Greece. Little historical info for you guys about this church in Greece, it, this city in Greece. It was founded in 315 BC by Cassander of Macedon, who named it after his wife, Thessalonike, the daughter of Philip II of Macedon. Why are you saying those names? Actually, those names aren't that famous. You know whose name was? Who her brother was? Alexander the Great. That's who this city was named after. In the time of Paul's writing, when he's writing this stuff, this is a major trade route for Rome in the Middle East. Major trade route. It wasn't just important back then in the first century. I read this little tidbit of information. In World War II, in World War II, it was captured by the German army and the Jewish population of about 60,000 persons. They were deported and exterminated. So this thing, this city has been a part of history for a long time. So we see that he writes to this church in, in Thessalonica. And then a classic Pauline, a classic greeting, a classic what's up of Paul. He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace. Man, that's a word we like to talk about here at the Packing House. Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. Look at it, we're lighting up thinking about grace. It's free blessings you get that you don't deserve, that you don't earn. They're from God. We can't earn them. They are unmerited favor from God, if you want a Bible definition. God's grace at Christ's expense. He loves giving us grace. Free blessings from God. Peace, peace. Our soul, our spirit at complete peace because we're assured, confident, secure of our salvation. No anxiety, no more worries about what God thinks of you because you know that you know that you know you are restored. 
made whole by Christ. By what? Having faith in him, confidence in, in him, that he is who he says he is, that he is who the Bible says he is, our Messiah, the anointed one, the God, the Son, who died on a cross for our sins. If you believe that, you are, you should have peace. You should have peace. You know, why is this concept of grace and peace, why are they, is it so important? Well, I didn't have a good understanding of grace. There was once a time where I thought, oh, I know, I did not pray enough. I did not read enough. I did not hang out in churches enough at all. I actually wouldn't be caught, well, I maybe be caught dead because that was probably the only way I was going to go to church. But I thought I, ha I wasn't enough. I wasn't enough. Until I realized, until someone taught me, until the Holy Spirit revealed through amazing ministers that salvation only comes through faith in Jesus Christ, not our efforts. Salvation only comes by faith in Jesus Christ, not by our efforts. Whew, good, because I still don't think I'm enough at all, <laughs> but Jesus is enough. His work on the cross is enough. Yeah, grace is free, but what Jesus did on the cross, that wasn't free. It cost him everything, his whole entire life, so that he could have a life with you, with me. He, he gave everything so we could have everything. Wow, that blows my mind. Yeah, I should have peace. You should have peace. You should have peace. Having this understanding that it's only by Jesus' efforts, by Jesus' work, that, that helped me have peace to my heart, knowing that because of what Jesus did, I could have an eternal, a long, not just long-lasting, like forever relationship with my loving Heavenly Father. Man. It's been said... You know, when you look at grace and you look at peace, you know how you always see it like this, grace to you and peace. People call it uh, the Siamese twins. Chuck Smith would call them the Siamese twins of the Bible because you always see them together and you always actually see them in that order. And the reason why is because you cannot experience the peace of God until you understand and have received the grace of God. Pretty, pretty common thing you'll hear in church if you spend enough time in churches. The quote is, you cannot experience the peace of God until you understand and have received the grace of God. Okay, so we've been talking a lot about background, about uh, what Paul is doing through the whole letter. We talked a lot about verse 1. We're in this message about 20 minutes now, and we've only got through verse 1. We're in it for a long night. Just kidding. Just kidding. It's just really rich, this information. I, when, I, when I chose to just do the first five verses, I thought, oh, how am I going to do this, Lord? And it just like an accordion just kept unfolding. The Holy Spirit is cool. He's cool when he starts getting in his teaching mode. I mean, that's who he is. He's the advocate, the teacher, the helper. Man, it's cool. So what does all this tell us? What can we get from having this background information on the Thessalonians, that Paul, Sylvanus, Timothy, that they went out, you know, and they... They taught these guys. They only spent a few weeks with them. Church erupted. Now, what does this show us? It shows us God uses people. 
Are there any people in here? God uses people. Wow, guys, I didn't see any. I saw a couple of hands. I'm just letting you know. Yes, you're our, our people. God uses people. Well, I don't know. I got, I'm kind of busy. It's the holidays, Pastor Rick. I don't really got much time. Dude, it's the holidays because it's Jesus' birthday. And he uses people. Okay, so God uses people. He didn't send angels to evangelize the Thessalonians. He sent a converted Jewish rabbi that was persecuting the church, killing people, throwing them in jail. He used that guy. And some kid named Timothy. No, he used like people, regular people. Okay? Man, and Timothy was only part Jew. I have that in my notes to read to you guys. He was only part Jew and like part Gentile. Regular people, not just super saints, okay? He uses people to achieve his purposes. He's still willing and does every day, every moment, use regular people to achieve his purposes. You know what these people have in common? Availability. They're available to God. They don't stop him. They allow him. That's really what they had in common. They were available to the Lord. They were available to the Lord. It also shows us what God can do to a city when his word is faithfully shared. They were only there for three Sabbaths. After the third Friday, they packed up and left. What can God do with people? There's a lot of us here who are available to him, and we live in the Inland Empire. What could he do to our community? Wow, if we let him, if we're available. Oh, Rick, you're putting trips on us. I'm not, I'm just sharing, I'm just ripping everything off from the Bible. In three weeks, he changed this, and we're still reading about what they did thousands of years later. What could he do to our community? Well, I just wish our community changed. Change the guy living in your room, the person living in your room. What? Yeah. That's where it starts. It starts with, with me, okay? And then it keeps going out. Oh, I, you're telling me I got to witness to people? Just witness to the kids down the hall from your house or whoever. Then what? I don't know. When you go to work, go to the grocery store. Instead of popping off and saying how you got ripped off and your eggs were damaged, just be okay, you know, and be chill. Be cool, you know. Be cool. Show off the love that God gives you. Ooh, we're going to get into that. I kind of foreshadowed a little bit. But you just show it off. Pray. And in three weeks, look what, look what the Lord did. What can he do with our lives being available to him? What can he do with the community around us? And you know what? When we're gaining ground for the kingdom, you know what else this letter's going to tell us? What else we can get from it? There's a real adversary. Satan does not want us to gain ground for the kingdom of God. Just like he was picking on the church and allowing uh, situations and environments and people to persecute the first century church, Satan is still at odds with the Lord and picks on his believers. Well, you're not making this whole Christianity thing sound good, Rick. Well, I'll tell you, it's the best decision you'll ever make on this side of eternity. But there is an adversary. There's a real enemy. There's a foe to this love story called the Bible. His name is Satan. But our all-powerful, all-loving, awesome God, who's the best at everything, 
He still uses regular people, empowers them, qualifies them, calls them, builds them up, encourages them, strengthens them, brings them close to him. He still uses people. He can still change communities, change counties, change states, change countries. He can do that. He does do that. But there is a real adversary. Okay, verse 2, we give thanks. Man, Rick, you better hurry up. We give thanks to God always for you all making mention of you in our prayers. And again, another indication that this was Paul, because Paul has this thankful heart and spirit. He has an attitude of gratitude when it comes to people that are growing in their faith. He's so pumped when people are growing in their faith, Paul is. I'm just thankful for you guys and the goodness that you're, he's the goodness that's in you from God. He's so aware of goodness and graciousness of God. What a prayer for us. Lord, as you're changing my life around, will you help me to be more aware of your goodness and your graciousness in the lives around me? Lord, I want to get encouraged by seeing your hand at work. And, and it's cool when you see kids get saved or you see a person get saved or come out of the prayer room changed because they gave their life to the Lord. That is some awesome stuff that I want to pray to be sensitive to. It's cool to see that excitement in people. Verse 3, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God our Father. Okay, he's getting specific about what he's so appreciative about, okay? He's thankful for their faith, their love for others, and their faithfulness despite all persecution, okay? We're going to break these down. Faith, hope, and love. Pretty, pretty, pretty popular verse, probably one of the most popular verses. We have it hanging in my house. It says, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love, First Corinthians, yeah, Corinthians 13, 13. Right, that's a pretty famous verse. As Paul's writing it to the Thessalonians, what we take from this is that these are, are gifts from the Lord. They're kind of like qualities or characteristics of a believer in Jesus Christ. Faith, hope, and love, okay? They're not something that we like work up, okay? They're something given from God to the believer, okay? They're gifts from the Lord, which means God is the source of these things. So we have to have a relationship with the source. You want to go get power for your vehicle? You better start a relationship with the gas pump, okay? You got to be connected, huh? And get filled. So we've got to stay connected to the Lord and have a build a relationship with him. How do I build a relationship with him? Can't build it unless you start one. How do you start one? You invite Jesus Christ into your life. So there's the start. And then when you invite him into your life, he gives you all these new apps. He gives you all these new gifts, faith hope, and love. They're gifts from God. They're like treasures waiting to be unwrapped. Everybody's thinking about Christmas. These are amazing gifts just waiting. They're downloaded into you. You believe in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit moves right in at the moment you trust in the Lord. And so do faith, love, and hope. That's the order we're going to go in tonight. Okay, so we're going to see faith works. I thought you said it's Jesus' efforts. Stay with me. Faith works. Love labors. Hope is patient. Okay. Faith must always lead to works. What? James 2, 14 through 26 will teach us that faith must always lead to works. 
it's been said that we're not saved by faith plus works, but by a faith that works. I'm going to say that again. We are not saved by faith plus works, but by a faith that works. So we get saved by Jesus' efforts. Once we're saved, we start working out this faith, and good stuff starts coming out of our lives. Gentleness, kindness, patience, all these cool things. Okay, we start wanting to serve people. Faith is an attitude of dependence on God. We're trusting him. That's what faith is. They have this, these Thessalonians have this gift of faith, this amazing, supernatural result of having a relationship with the Lord. Okay, it starts growing, it starts growing. Chuck Smith said, Chuck Smith, uh, pastor of Calvary Chapel, if you're not totally familiar with it, Chuck Smith once said, if you have true faith, that work is the natural result of faith. And if the faith does not affect your actions, then it is not a true faith. A person with true faith, that faith will affect what they do. It has an effect upon their actions, upon their works. It is producing a work in their life. Wow, what's one of the works of the Thessalonians? They used to worship false idols and do weird stuff. Oh, they have faith in Jesus Christ. Guess what? They no longer do that stuff. They serve the Lord and minister to the Lord and others. Love, this labor of love. This is agape love. It's a love from God, undeserved, unearned. It's given to us because God wants us, wants the best for us. It's, it's, it's actionable. It's a verb. It's something you do for someone else because you want the best for them, not expecting something in return. That's agape love. Okay, that's agape love. So the word labor here means to labor to the point of weariness or exhaustion. This labor of love, it builds others. It will even cost you a little. The best example I can think of this is think about the mom who's taking everyone everywhere, okay? They're taking everyone everywhere. They're always preparing everything. They're always bustling around the, the home to make sure that Everyone has everything they need. And you're like, dude, take a break. And they're thinking like, dude, get off the couch. Okay. And they're just, they have this labor of love. Why? Because they have this love for their kids, you know, and, and their family. So I was thinking about these like hardworking moms out there, hardworking moms. Recently, just the, yesterday, So many hours, hours upon hours upon hours, traveling around stores, getting all the supplies that the ministry team needed to have this event. Oh, gosh, the kids, they don't get like regular Christmas gifts. They get toys and stuff. Shower gels, conditioners, and stuff like that. They used to just be able to buy it and hand it to us, you know, and the chaplain had to ring and tell them, okay, you're going to get that for gift. He had hundreds of these little eight-ounce bottles that had to be, you know, the precise ones, and then he had stuff and he would just sit at his house pouring it into a little funnel. He's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> it's like, no man, it's okay, it's for the kids. Remember what I said, okay, you are technically saved. Thank you, Lord. When you see these people that are serving all the time, doing all this stuff, it comes from the Lord. God is love. He's our source of love. I think of 
there, there, there's a bunch of people here that serve in our youth and children's ministry. In DDS, people are pouring hundreds of hours. I'm not kidding. It doesn't take one eight-hour day. It takes like several weeks of like fixing up. It's a lot of work for the entire church to grow to fill our DDS. But everybody does it. It's a labor of love. I went around the last few months asking some of our veteran volunteer staff, you done this for 15 years? Why have you done this for 20 some odd years? Why have you done this? And they all, in their own unique story, they share how God attracted them to the assignment that they're doing, and that they just feel his love, and then they just pour it out. This labor of love is a gift from the Lord. You have a relationship with him, and so it's God who is love, and he pours it into you, and then you don't just hold it to yourself and be a stagnant and we're living our lifestyles in a hopeful, trustful, confident expectation that Jesus is coming back. We're supposed to live our lives like that. Okay, a patience of hope, a patience of hope. Okay, so their hope produced patience, which is long-suffering, endurance, needed not only to survive hard times, but to triumph through them. The, the uh, word, the Greek word for this patience is, I'm going to, kill it right now. Hupomene. Hupomene. Not pomade. Hupomene. And what it means is it means to stay under the load. It's one of the strongest ways that Paul could have said you've got to endure this extremely tough situation. That terrible news from the doctor. That terrible news that came home. Whatever the crazy, chaotic, scary Depressing, discouraging situation, that load that you have to, sometimes this world puts us under. And boy, the holidays seem to multiply the weight of that sometimes. I know because we do a lot of crisis counseling and trauma counseling as it comes into uh, the church, especially during these times. I know that there's families around the church that are going through things that we don't even want to think of that happen. They're under the load. They have this patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that I've ever seen families go through in the church. And this is sad to say. Get them through it. Is a hope in Jesus Christ. As, as disaster has fallen upon my family in the, in, in the distant past, I've asked this family, how did you ever endure and get through this situation? Only faith in God. Only God got you through this. This family now. And so, the Bible is saying that while we're staying under the load, have an expectation of hope, of coming good, hope in Jesus. That's also a gift from the Lord. 
Well, I need more. Ask for more. Keep asking for more. Call heaven down into the situations on behalf of your friends and family that are going through tragedy. It's a gift. God wants to grace. He's the agent. He's the one who gives us these gifts. This hope is, a, is a, Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. Hebrews 6, verse 19, it says, Our hope in Jesus, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Another translation of that verse says, It tethers us behind the sacred curtains of heaven. This hope is not anchoring us like a ship's anchor down to the ground, holding us back. No, it's pulling us up to a tighter and more secure relationship with Jesus Christ, tethering us behind the sacred curtains of heaven. That's this hope that God gives us. That's the hope that we're calling for. This hope in Jesus Christ. What else does it tell us? God is in control. God is where our hope should be. God is where our love comes from. God is where our comfort comes from. Put your hope and faith in God. When you're, when you're laboring out there, ask for more of that love that God will pour into you so it bubbles up out of you, okay? We've learned that faith works, love labors, and hope is patient. Knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God, okay? You're knowing that you are loved, brothers and sisters. You are loved, okay? Never want to skip over that word beloved because we are the beloved. We are loved by God. Now, we're, we're quickly running out of time, but this whole thing about election, divine election, a lot of Bible teachers think it's kind of the boogeyman in the closet. I don't. I think it's actually kind of a cool topic to talk about because um, some people go, oh, God chose me and I had nothing to do with it, which means he might have chosen others to not be saved by God. And what does that mean? God chooses people to go to hell? No way. Get out of here with that. Well, then I'm the only one who can choose and God can't make me choose. He can sure set up the circumstances to get your attention, though. I'm, I know he can do that. I'm, like, really paraphrasing this whole theological argument that I had for you guys. But let me talk to you real quick. So, divine election. God gives us free will choices. Despite our good and bad free will choices, God still works. He's still in control. He's still the source of love. Okay? you know what's cool? God gave us this free will choice. I got to freely choose to love my wife. I freely chose her. Thank God she freely chose to love me back. Wisely chose. But I have that free will choice. I chose to love her. She chose to love me back. Doesn't God, the creator of the universe, doesn't he also have choice? So he tells us that he's chosen us. He's drawn us in so that we could choose him back. Oh, keep your cards and letters coming. I would love to hear all your arguments against that. And I'm going to just say, for God so loved the world. Timothy tells us that the letter to Timothy says that God desires that all. Remember the all? I, remember, I wish I would have had the all commercials. Remember back in the 80s, the all A-L-L? He desires that all come to a saving knowledge and understanding of the truth. Well, you're gonna... That's what everyone says when they believe that God chooses you, you choose God. I know. That's a good, those are good arguments back, okay? So God does choose us to love us. He has chosen us to love him back. God knows... That true love 
requires a choice. Because if there's no choice, then it's not true love, okay? Okay, our last verse. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. The gospel, the good news, it didn't come to you in just word only, but in power. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's involved. It was powerful. Man, this is powerful stuff. Man. Another translation says, For when we brought you the good news, it was not only with words, but also with power. For the Holy Spirit gave you full assurance, security, confidence that what we said was true. It was true. Hmm. So with the Holy when we believe in Jesus Christ, God gives us gifts of faith, gives us gifts of hope so we can endure that heavy load, and, this, and he gives us love. But he gives us the Holy Spirit too and the power of each, uh, to, to sustain this life, to go through this life. You guys are going to be going through Christmas, and I couldn't tell you as a kid how frustrating it was to get a remote control car, and there was no power, no batteries included. But how cool is it when you get that present, and the batteries are in there? You get the power. Guys, when you, when you get Jesus Christ, you get the power of the Holy Spirit. Will you choose to accept it? And if that's you and you're ready to choose to accept Jesus Christ, we'd like to pray with you. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you and thank you so much for this uh, letter to the Thessalonians, Lord, that encourages us, that gives us hope in Jesus' coming. Lord, we wanna stay ready so we don't have to get ready because we know he's coming. Lord, I pray for more of that love to come to us especially for whoever's weary and tired right now who might be extending themselves. Lord, I just pray your love would flow into their lives. For those families that I know are under a heavy burden, Lord, that you would give them just an extra quadruple like amount of hope, Lord. Give them that comfort, that strength that they need, Lord. And for anyone here who hasn't started a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you would like to, if you'd like to know that all your sins, all that stuff that was keeping you separated from God is gone, if you want to know that it's forgiven, if you want to know where you'll spend eternity, then this moment's for you. It's a simple prayer that we pray to invite the Lord into our lives, and you can say it in the intimacy of your own heart, or you can say it out loud with us, but here's the prayer. Lord Jesus, I surrender. I give you my life. Please forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can serve you from this day forward. And all of God's children agreed by saying, Amen. Amen, church. Hey, if no one's told you that they love you, church, I, I love you guys. But man, more important, God totally loves you guys. So God bless you guys and have an amazing night.